Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Facebook has a trust problem, and so do we all. Of course, this is bigger than Facebook. The overwhelming majority of content and services on the internet are supported by a single model, targeted advertising based on behavioral and psychographic data. This model has one notable benefit. It allows online providers to gain large audiences by offering their wares for free. But there are massive downsides. Websites are at war with themselves, hoping to keep their readers on their sites while also needing to divert them onto advertisers' sites to make money. The incentive to collect any conceivable datum about a user or her behavior is the hope to gain an edge in targeting ads to her. Buying and selling this behavioral data becomes part of the revenue model of these sites. In the process, users get used to the idea that they are continuously under surveillance. A world where we're constantly watched is one we learn moment by moment to mistrust. We know Facebook is exploiting us, we know our attention is being peddled to the highest bidder, and we know that even opting out of the system isn't an escape, as Facebook maintains profiles even on non-users. We know that Facebook will fail us again, releasing data to people we would never personally choose to trust. The revelations of Facebook's weaknesses come less as a shock to us than as part of the disappointing reality we've all been accustomed to, where we're forced to trust institutions that rarely deserve or reward the faith we put in them. Also in these times, large numbers of people become addicted to something or at some point in their lives. Drug and alcohol addictions form a substantial part of this, but nowhere near a majority of it. More common are addictions to gambling, food, sex, shopping, dysfunctional relationships, internet surfing, social media, wealth, power, exercise, and so on. Most serious addictions are actually an adaptation to dislocation. To some extent, addiction is a functional way of dealing with the problem. Of course, what people really need is to be genuinely recognized and accepted and believed in. To have a purpose. To have the essential satisfaction most people feel if they live in a society that meets their basic needs for four things. Belonging, identity, meaning, and purpose. When these needs are met, we feel a profound sense of well-being. Lack of belonging is a feeling of being alone and neglected. Lack of identity is the unease of not knowing who you are and experiencing wild swings from one self-concept to another. Lack of meaning is a sense that the world is random or ruled by evil forces. Lack of purpose is boredom and a feeling of uselessness, of not having any reason to get out of bed. 
when all four of these needs are unsatisfied, life is hell. That's what's happening to us. It's the breakdown of reality. And isn't that what we do? Isn't that what explorers of the so-called sink phenomenon do? We break things down. In trying to appreciate a meaning, you need to go back to the beginning. It's just like reading a book. You need to start a book at the beginning. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's Monday, May 20th, 2019. And do you see over yonder, friend Sancho, 30 or 40 hulking giants? I intend to do battle with them and slay them. And I'll do so with my friend Alan Abadessa Green, managing editor of thesyncbook.com, upon the anniversary of his magnum opus sync film, Vision and the Voice. It was a year ago when we last chatted on this program about that release. Yet earlier this month, after that anniversary was shared, and then a day later, the anniversary of my own novella, Winter's Labyrinth, was shared, Alan pointed out what creatures of habit he and I are. So we're going to dig into that today and look back and look ahead and, and just see what's going on. How are you doing, Alan? It's been too long. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well, thank you. And yeah, it's, it's uh, been too long. I'm happy to, happy to speak to you again. I can't believe it was fucking a year ago, though. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I was telling someone last night how I don't. I mean, time just is cooking these days, where we just truck through the seasons, and and then here we are at like uh, an anniversary point. So, uh, upon a year's reflection, looking back, you know, what does this film mean to you now? It's interesting because the whole right. So, like that film in itself was a look back, right? Like, all right, all right so. What I did all the sync book stuff for, for a number of years, um, probably more years than I realized. Like you probably just trying to do some math, but it was more more years than I realized. And then I took like a year or so off that I wasn't doing anything with it. And I, as I was trying to get back into it, or or sort of looking at it with fresh eyes, I wanted to try and make sense of it. And I started going back through archives and listening to early podcasts we had done and that's when I just started taking these like magical moments out of episodes and chopping them up and trying to make something out of it that's sort of the genesis of that film right now so there's two things that I'm where I'm at now with another with another year's notice one would be looking at that film as something in my past when I uh, was coming up on the one-year anniversary of the film, I had this idea that there was just a handful of things that have bothered me about it that I was like, uh, I wish I'd kind of done these things a little differently. There's, um, I mean, minor, minor tweaks that just annoy me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do these minor fixes and re-render the video so this way, when it comes up on the year anniversary, I'll be like, hey, everyone go watch the video again. And I'll use that as an excuse to make these just, again, minor, minor fixes. And um, I did, the, I actually put in the time to like make those tweaks, 
But every time I tried to re-render the video with those tweaks, it came out glitchy. And I was getting ready to move. This was all sort of very last minute um, decision. And I was like, there's just no way this is going to happen. And I had to kind of accept that and said, well, you know what? Maybe the, the video just is what it is. It's You can't change something that's already done and um, kind of accepting that as a thing of the past and as a, an artifact that at this point is where I was at mentally a year ago, which is very different from where I'm at now. And sort of that in itself was just a fascinating marker along the way. Um, the other side of that is I've, I ended up in that year digging into a bunch of other archives that I, you know, there came a point in the process of doing Vision the Voice where I was going through all this material and I just had to like stop. Like, okay, I can't listen to more things. And I ended up shortly after, I don't know for whatever reason, listening to a bunch of other recordings and just being blown away at how prescient a lot of this material was and being like, holy shit, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually tempted to make a second film, but a little more, okay, so Revision the Voice is a psychedelic roller coaster, make something that's a little bit more of a documentary, make something that's a little bit more of a, a narrative and a, a linear sort of story, like, hey, this is, this is what we experience. These are the things. These are things that we actually have on tape of us talking about that then either come true two years later or three years later. I, I don't want to go too deep into all this, but to say, like, we, and I'm including you and, and Will and, you know, uh, Andras and Bill and David and everybody. Uh, involved with SyncBook Radio and all the SyncBook productions that have been done, we really, you know, bottled a lot of magical moments. And uh, going back and revisiting any of these things, some of it's a little cringeworthy, like hearing myself talk. I don't know, you know, it's always a weird thing to hear yourself talk. Um, so the things that I'm still like embarrassed by or whatever, or sounding naive or just not very eloquent, but I'm also very impressed with us over what we were able to achieve. And um, I think that's where I'm at these days is looking at it, this, a sense of wonder of an appreciation for what, what we accomplished in that and, and, and what kind of record we have of what, what we did. Okay, so well, that's that's interesting. And before like delving into a, like a larger question about the nature of the sync community and or the purpose or the evolution or even you know where the trajectory is headed, if anywhere, let's just talk about something that I fought with for years is is the idea of the artist I want to be in my head versus the idea of the artist that I actually am, meaning like, that, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I had what I amounts exactly to. What <laughs> I yeah. have such a healthy. Well, I don't know if it was healthy either, but uh, like the idea of a sync practice was really like 
so uh, monumental. And then like an art practice is almost more of this longing thing. Like uh, the sink wants to come out and it, it would just like I was immediately compelled to act on whatever impulses I had whenever those impulses arose. And that's why like I personally created as much work as I have in that regard. But, you know, the idea of the art practice is like loftier and the forms are more, uh, oh, you know, conventional, I guess would be the word. Um, and so personally, on a personal level, just kind of recent, it feels like my sync practice and my art practice might be coming together. And so I'm not, they're not fighting anymore. And I might actually be working that's <laughs> really super inspiring but i'm just wondering about your own sync practice these days and then you know its relation to your art practice as well i think and again this comes to a realization uh i don't know that i've ever told this like very publicly but you and i have had a million private conversations where we talked about things I don't know if people realized how much I hated doing sync quick news. Really? And oh, we are you? Is that like a facade? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just seems like there's such a perfect vehicle well, to reach such right. a large so audience. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is, this is what I'm saying is, I in the moment, uh, in the beginning, I resented the shit out of that that video series, right? Um. And, and it's your most beloved thing, probably. Right. So, like, um, you, you and I have again, you and I have had this conversation. Is to say, um, there were reasons why I I resented it because I I wanted again we told this the artist I am in my mind. Right. So this goes to that question. In my mind, I wanted to be this artist that could do something a little more to my taste. I don't know. And we kept having this conversation. I said, oh, if I wanted to have a successful, if we wanted to do something that was successful, I think I know how to do that. But that would feel a little like, I don't know, selling out or something, right? And I kept, I kept saying, yeah, 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 I know how to make something successful, but I don't want to do that. I want to do this thing that I want to do. <laughs> I want to follow my vision, right? And then one day, literally as sort of like a fucking... I don't know, not so much a joke, but like a kind of to prove a point, I did those first two sync quick newses or whatever is just sort of like, yeah, I would do something kind of like this. And people responded to it and people loved it. And I was uh, in a weird way angry about it. I'm like, yeah, I resent the fact that people like this thing and not the things that I want them to like. Like, no one gives a fuck about Vision the Voice. I spent a year of, you know, worrying about every millisecond of that video. Uh, there's, you know, secret, there's Easter eggs that you could spend 10 fucking years trying to uncover in that video. No one gives a shit. But I make a two-minute video about whatever and some throwing some jokes and some cheesy animation and people loved it. And I was sort of resented that fact. But again, now I come back to it a year, you know, two years later, whatever it is. 
And when I started watching those videos over after having that space, I realized what a perfect vehicle it was and how proud, in a, in a way, like seriously, proud of myself that I was able to say a lot of the things I wanted to say. There's like quips where I, um, you know, end an episode and I'm like, say something about, you know, Obama and Bush and being like, I hope they, one day they have the same place in our prisons, <laughs> you know, that they have in our hearts or something <laughs> like that. I, I, and that just comes to mind because I remember you you commenting on that line when I made that episode. But looking at that now, I'm proud of that. I'm like, hey, I made something that was, for the most part, like for a wider popular audience, but I didn't pull any punches. I said my opinions on things. I think there was a lot of very real shit that I got to talk about in a, in a very silly format, but I was able to talk about like, you know, the policing of homelessness and um, weird, you know, corporate fixations and political stuff mixed in with synchronicity and mystical rituals and all this sort of shit. And I was like, Hey man, I actually, I, I, you know, that, that was, I wish I enjoyed it as much, you know, I wish I appreciated what I was doing in the moment as much as I appreciate it now. And I, what's funny is recently, I mean, in the, just the last few months, you probably aware I have started doing SyncWick News again regularly, um, pretty pretty regularly, and I'm to be honest, I'm uh, very tempted to stop doing those again, and for di for different reasons. Uh, I kind of started doing them again just based on this synchronicity that I felt sort of would just fly under the radar that felt incredibly significant and I wanted to draw attention to it. It was the, this basketball player's shoe breaking, right? Yeah. And there was something so viscerally, mystically transcendent. I don't, I don't even know how to really describe it was such a visceral feeling that when it happened, again, I'm not, it wasn't like a sports thing that I cared about. I was just like, holy shit, this is really important. And I kind of really, really wanted to zero in on that and kind of show some of that. And I then took, you know, the next few weeks and months to show where I sort of felt this narrative was playing out. And I feel like that narrative is, has essentially come full circle. I, I'm tempted to make one more sync with news showing how that narrative sort of came full circle and maybe then press pause on that project. And there are other things that I want to do. But again, I'm, I'm at a point where I can now appreciate sync quick news uh, for what it was. I don't know if, if I can get right back into that headspace. Like my delivery is very just dry and matter of fact at this point, I don't, it's hard for me to be like, Hey, everybody. You know? <laughs> um, it's, it's harder for me to get back to, back into that mindset. The purple but, pimp, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, but I really, really like, I view those older episodes with totally different eyes now. Um, and, uh, and it, just as one quick sort of ending note here, 
Um, so the thing that brings me back to doing Sync Quick News or whatever was this, this shoe breaking. This goes to show, you know, I have been sort of like this weird figurehead face of synchronicity in the, you know, for a number of years um, to, to, a, to a certain extent. I want to say even I am gets, can get so caught up in life that like really obvious things, really obvious synchronicities that should be like a fucking slap in the face can go ignored. So I spent, I, I make a whole video about this thing and then I make a series of videos after that pointing out all this stuff, bringing it back to this broken shoe. So the week of Easter, which we're going to talk about cycles. Maybe we'll come back to this idea. But the week of Easter, something I fixated on how this most recent Easter was a repetition, almost like note for note, a repetition of all the symbols we looked at from Easter of like 2010. A fascinatingly redundant series of patterns. 2010? Um, yeah, is that, is that, I think it's 2010 or 2011. 2011, right? I don't know. So, yeah, so it's only 2011. Sorry, yeah. No, but hey, wait. Just, what, to, just to say, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. just curious what what was significant about. Well, 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 let's come back to that. Let's let's we'll, we can look at all that that narrative in a, in a minute. Let me just get this out. Yeah. So I, I I do this whole thing all about this fucking broken shoe, and then I get caught up in this stuff from the 2010 2011 time period, and I the narrative sort of gets bigger in my mind. That week, that that very week where I'm, one of my worries are like, I have to move apartments. Man, I really want to try and get this sync quick news made. Um, just like life stresses, like financial, like all the practical like life things, plus like the creative pressure of, man, I have so much I want to say in this video and I don't even have time to make the video and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, all these like really very practical life things. Now I'm working at um, a bar that's like really fucking busy on the weekends. So it's a Saturday night and it's crazy busy. And I, my shoe gets caught on something like while I'm trying to like run to like, I don't know, like change a keg or something. I really don't remember like what it was, but like my shoe gets caught on something and I literally rip my shoe in half. All right. And I'm, it's so busy, I don't even have time to like think about it or register it. I was just like, yo, do we have any fucking duct tape or anything? So I duct tape my shoe back together as quickly as I can, just finish this insanely busy bar shift. The next morning, like, great, now I'm out 100 bucks. I run and find a pair of shoes somewhere so I can work that night. And it was just like this major inconvenience was all I thought about. I take the shoes and I throw them out. And I'm like, that's so fucking inconvenient, blah, blah, blah. It took me three weeks later to realize the major personal synchronicity of my shoe ripping in half. Like I was so caught up in life that I missed this major synchronicity. I just like it just totally went right over my head. And my point is like, we are swimming in these cycles of symbols and actions and habits. Some of them are habits, but obviously with synchronicity, a lot of it is 
These are archetypes playing out in our lives. These, this is the thing we've been exploring for years. It's like, I didn't intentionally do that. It's not a, you know, this piece about us being creatures of habit. It's not a habit. It's not like, oh, you know, well, and he likes to rip his shoes in half. You know, that's, that's a, a thing that happened to me outside of my own control. Um, but to me, that's like, it's, it's kind of dumb how, how, how significantly like on the money that is, you know what I mean? Like how, how literal of a synchronicity that is, is sometimes it's just silly. Um, and my point is like, we can get so caught up in life. It's so easy to get caught up in life and miss these things to, for me to miss how valuable St. Quick News was to me, to miss how significant this uh, shoe synchronicity was, to miss all these things. Um, I th Again, going back to an appreciation, I think if we have accomplished anything with all our years of work, it's hopefully trying to like constantly say, hey, everyone press pause on the insanity and chaos of life and let's not let this moment go without noticing the per the little the, the moments of magic and and synchronicity and meaning in our in in all those moments that are so easy to ignore. Well, yeah, I think you used to refer to what amounted to a lot of people's practice as like fractal mapping. Mm -hmm. Somehow it's the uh, it we're observing the architecture of the universe. And so those echoes somehow relate something about the underlying structure of just the nature of existence. So talk about getting caught up in life. It seems like in the last couple of years, we've become addicted to the news cycle, you know, as far as like all of a sudden, the only thing, the only soap opera in town now is, is the state polit or you know, national state politics. We're just addicted to that. I'm wondering, you're talking about like the little magical moments. Um, where's your head at with, uh, in the past, one interpretation of that was to remind you that this is all a dream and that there's more of this Gnostic thing going on and that there's a transcendence that we have to undergo or taken from a different reading, you might say, it's just a reminder to not take life too serious, even though it is serious. Spiritually, where's your head at these days? Hmm. Um. Well, it's a hard question to answer. I don't, I feel like... Do you I think, think do you think you went in with a, a more solid cosmology like say in 2009 or 2010 and now how's your cosmology Alan <laughs> <laughs> Well okay so uh, sorry I, I'm my mind is split I'm on almost I want to address two, one thing you said in there which is sort of off topic but just to say you mentioned the news cycle that was another thing that and, and even still in this current incarnation of Sync Quick News that sort of is frustrating, it feels like you're, to point out all the symbolism of the news 
means getting trapped in someone else's narrative, right? Oh, so like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you're, it's like chasing this dragon or chasing this high of, uh, you know, chasing this story that's not of your own creation. It's like, oh look, now this is happening. Now this airplane goes missing. Now Trump says this. Now this person does, you know, whatever the fuck. You're to to comment on that narrative means getting caught in somebody else's story. And that to me is incredibly frustrating. Uh, I, so having taken, so this, this, that, now to bring this back to like cosmology and spiritual placement and stuff, is trying to spend the last few years and being like, hey, I really wanna get out of somebody else's story and just into my own story, work on my own life and actually you know, just be be a human being and like to do my do my best to um, make make the best possible life for myself and my loved ones. Uh, hope you know, hopefully, make some good art in there and and make some good friendships and and all that sort of stuff. But uh, sort of trying to bring it more to a grounded experiential place. That being said, I'm, I realized I took that a little too far. It was a little too base material reality. And I, I'm trying to find back that balance. I, I used to say this thing of like feet on the ground, head in the clouds and trying to strike that balance. And, um, I think I I'm coming back to a cosmology that has, been with me over and over throughout my life that I kind of keep coming back to is this idea of this balance in a very particular way, which is to say, hey, if you get just caught up in the news cycle, you're following someone else's story. But if you ignore it, then you're also subject to the whims of, you know, you can wake up one day and find out that Christian fundamentalists have, you know, rewritten legislation for women and, you know, you slept through it. Uh, you can find a whole number of things happening that you're, you know, you, we, we are still, I feel like we're still responsible to have a voice and to be, you know, um, this idea of activism is, um, something I've, I've evolved my opinion on over the years, but, um, I feel like I still feel like we we're, we're not able to stay silent. And again, that's why I'm I'm proud of myself for I used to make sure to make a point of all these things. And it's it's easy to be like turn off the fucking TV and who gives a shit what Donald Trump says. But if that means that you know people are getting hurt and people are you know people of color are getting put in fucking um, ice facilities, hey, maybe I can't I I can't afford. Or, or me as a, uh, as a you know middle class white dude can fucking afford to turn off the TV, but maybe I shouldn't. Um, so with that is to say, finding balance. I don't want to get caught up in it. Uh, I don't want to get. Um, I don't want to stay silent, and at the same time, I want to live a grounded experience and actually appreciate my life for what it is. I am, you know, I'm now 38 years old. I'm realizing, hey, I don't know how many more years I realistically have left. 
and that maybe it sounds dramatic, but I just mean I, I did not live the healthiest lifestyle. Uh, I finally quit smoking, by the way. I don't know. If, I feel like we've talked about that. But that, I'm now that took? Eight, it took its nap. I think that's eight months now. Wow. I haven't had a cigarette. That's, that's amazing. And, um, you know, just to say, like, and that and that that decision to quit, uh, just to say, came out of a place of starting to have health problems of like, oh, yeah, you can't smoke a pack of cigarettes every day for 14 years and escape scot-free. So it was like, oh, this is actually causing me issues. And my throat fucking closed up a few times and in the emergency room. And I was like, oh, I guess I have to quit smoking now. Um, you know, these sort of realizations, again, of like, we have to... Um, you ever see there's some great footage of John Lilly who's fucking fried his mind with all these psychedelics he's sort of mumbling through this interview being like the mind is infinite but the body has limitations is basically what he says and that's the thing it's like we can we have to find this balance of understanding that we do have a material existence our body has limitations uh, there are practical things like paying the rent and going to work and taking care of your family uh, that are very, very important. And at the same time, just still have an appreciation for the, the magic that is all around us. I just keep coming back to this, trying to find a balance between those two seemingly different things. Do you look back and think anything was ridiculous? I mean, so there are things that intellectually strike me as just, just, so silly but at the same time at a root level I think I still you know it's like I, I was I was daydreaming I'm kind of playing with this story uh, a little bit it's the idea of you know we had sync book and then it became sync book radio and then you did sync book movie and then I thought, what if we had sync book radio movie labs? You know, so like we we have a like an office or a building where we're actually going to work and, and doing our work, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, you know, it's I'm glad you got the joke, by the way, though. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's a book. It's a radio. It's a movie. Um, yeah. That being, can I can I address that real quick though, just to say? So here's something that I, again, I don't know how many people actually give a shit about that video, and I don't I don't even mean that like in a um, I don't know like a pass passive aggressive or like defeatist way. I'm just saying like realistically, I didn't get the response I wanted, but I do want to say here's my that that thing has that sync book book radio movie has a very specific meaning to me that I don't think a lot of people get. And I have this fantasy sometimes about doing like a sort of like art installation where you would have that video presented in three different formats, like literally side by side. So like you could go and here would be like a pair of headphones and you would just hear the audio from it and that would be the radio. Uh, you can watch the film and that's the movie. And then you can watch the film with the subtitles and that's the book because those are completely different experiences. Uh, even myself, someone who spent a year like inside this film, like every nook and cranny editing and re-editing it, for me to watch it with the subtitling captions on 
is a totally different experience because now your eyes are reading. This is like, this goes back to a McLuhan-esque conversation of like, how do we take in media? But literally when you're reading the text at the screen, now I'm not picking up all the like subtle audio things that I'm doing. I'm in a reading mindset. But it also means that I'm more appreciating the word. So I'm like, oh, I'm able to get into a more intellectual headspace and really take in more of what's being said when there's captions. But then you turn those captions off and I can get lost in the sort of like over the sensory overwhelm of all these crazy images coming at you. And there's tons of music and sounds and it all sort of be, gets lost in the cacophony. Or you can turn off the video completely and just put your headphones in and listen to it like a podcast and have a totally different experience. So just to say, in one respect, it is a, it's a joke. It's saying, this is ridiculous. Like, yes, we are, we are ridiculous people. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're living in our, in our own little fantasy worlds of like what's important to us and what's, you know, things that probably, again, don't have major significance, but, that doesn't mean that they don't have major significance. They do to us. I, I know what that means. The book radio movie means in, um, uh, in concept, but I also know that in reality, it's a fucking joke. So I'm a able to see both of those. And I, I hope other people get a little kick out of that too. But so the lab refers to this idea that so scientific materialism has described the outside completely, but it's only the one perspective. It's, it's the, uh, you know, the objective where I'm separate from the object that I'm studying. But, you know, as science evolved and we entered into the quantum realm, you kind of entered into the space where, there is no distance between subject and object. And at some point you have to realize that there's a description of the interior that is necessary as well to have a complete worldview. And it, it seems like that's kind of like the realm that we were really exploring. I, I, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so like, I think there's, there's a description of like the astronauts blasting to the moon and then like, like shamans blasting to the moon down below, you know, via substances or something. I don't know if that was in a film or something that you shared, actually. But uh... that's been a, co a common motif uh, in, in a lot of people's stuff. And, you know, you remind me, I mean, I feel like if, you, if we go back even further to like the blogging days, which seemed like a fucking three lifetimes ago. Uh, I don't know if it feels the same way for you, but I feel like blogging really feels like it was a totally different world. I remember in, in my early days of blogging, I used to refer to things as like experiments because I was so much less sure of what it was, right? So it's like, oh, we're going to try this experiment doing like this. And I, I had this sort of lofty notion of like, hey, we'll all figure this out together. And then I think it came a point where either I started to feel like I had a sense of what it was. And then I think having to be the sink pimp meant a certain extent of pretending like I had an answer, <laughs> you know, like if you're going, if you're going to be interviewed about something, you have to be like, Oh, I could speak confidently about this thing that like, so it was a combination of factors, but 
that was an that was the area in which I always felt most comfortable of putting a question mark and everything and being like, I don't know, what's what if we try and interpret it this way? What if we associate these things? Where does it lead us? And um, I always appreciated that about uh, guys like you and like uh, John McGuire and folks like that who might sort of, you know, we're not uh, again, we're not scientists in a lab, but we're we're trying to to be um, pragmatic and, and and real about what we're dealing with. Besides the shoe, do you have any other threads or sinks that you're tracking right now? And then what about this recent period? Like it seemed like we went through like a majorly dense period of synchronicity. I feel like just recently there was a, there's been like a, there was a total explosion of, of like collective unconscious archetypal storm or something yeah. with all the, um, like the, the burning, uh, Paris and, you know, and again, there are people who have really taken the time to spell all that out. Uh, Goro Adachi has, has really done it a lot. Um, Andrew Griffin, Warren Coleman, those guys have really taken the time to like get into all those details uh, on some of that stuff. Um, but I have a video that I never released. Uh, I, won't, I don't want to say too much about, about it other than um, yeah, I feel like we you know, okay, so you and I, you've, you used to just say this expression of um, psychic weather. Yeah. And uh, something I used to talk about was this idea of sink storms. Yeah. Which would just be like these like really intense sort of like, oh, I'm either having a schizophrenic breakdown or, or the entire planet is at, the same, at once, you know? It's like, is this me or is this, is this the psychic weather or what is this? But it would be these like, intense barrages of, of symbolism and uh, synchronicities. And I feel like that just happened on a, on a world scale. And that was kind of why I felt in a weird way, like obligated to go back to doing some synchronic news is to like kind of address some of it and point some of it out. But even that, it felt like it was just too much to, for me to stay on top of with my life as it is these days. I just have too many practical responsibilities. That being said, it feels like that storm is over in that respect, but um, the world is no, you know, no less chaotic in, in the sense of, again, you know, just you can turn on the news or, which is at this point is, is a colloquial expression, right? Does anyone turn? <laughs> but um, <laughs> you, you can tune into the happenings of the world, however you do that, through, you know, Facebook or Reddit or... It's so funny because everyone's parents used to watch the evening news. Like, that was the normal thing. There was the local news station. And yeah. I don't know if it was before dinner or after dinner, but a lot of people would just watch an hour of fucking news on cable TV or broadcast TV. Right now we're just inundated with information at every moment of every day. It's also fascinating to me. I mean, I know you and I are take some different political stances, but um, I, whatever, wherever you want to 
however you want to feel about this word or what I'm about to say is that it's fascinating to me that propaganda is still so successful even with that like it, it makes sense if everyone sits down for dinner and watches you know an hour of evening news that's a very easy thing for people to for someone to control right if you want to control a narrative of the populace so you know especially what is it uh, there are you know six companies that control nearly every media outlet in this country you could be like all right well every radio station every tv basically is going to say this narrative either um you know you're going to take the donald trump is bad and you're going to take the donald trump is great stance um re ready go <laughs> you know and we kind of create this divide and conquer bullshit narrative uh that we can we can play out on the world stage that seems clear to me how easy that is to control from a propaganda standpoint. It's amazing to me to see how weirdly like scattered the information sources are at least on a surface level or they would, they would seem to be so diverse and yet we're still getting the same, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, one or two kind of narratives coming out the pipes. I I feel like it's we're definitely in a dangerous time as far as the the culture war being in full full blast. In in an earlier moment, we would have called this like shadow work that the country's doing yeah. some serious shadow work because we would we would think about this like almost purely archetypally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and with the optimistic standpoint of like we you know, you do the work and you get through it. <laughs> now it's like, oh, I don't know do we make it out do we make it out the other side without having some permanent damage? Like how how do we have uh, how how do we have a Trump presidency just even psychologically, where we come out of this, there's like what? Yeah, there's no return to normalcy. What does that open the door for? Right. Um, sorry. I, go. Go ahead. Say what you want to say. I don't. I don't think I have a clear way of how I want to express. What I, want to, what I, <laughs> I was tuning into you. Uh. I, yeah, I don't even, I don't, it's so funny because I think there was a time when, you know, you and I couldn't even entertain the idea of a Trump presidency. We just thought it was, it was ridiculous. And then it was happening. And then we were just like, it, it, my own personal thought was, well, I understand how this happened and I get it, but it just, he's so incompetent, it can't last, you know, and I just thought that there was going to be this moment and, you know, the day was going to come and we just have to pay attention every day. Um, you know, they're going to figure out what a sham the thing is or, you know, that he's he's a crooked gang, gangst, gangster fuck kind of thing. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, like, there's just no way this is going to stand. And so, you know, like, I don't know, I, I guess I'm not surprised by anything anymore. And 
I don't I don't have it's just, so like the thing that I like I just realized when I said that is so like with shadow work you have to accept your shadow and the country is so divided it's just like either side there's no way anyone's going to concede anything to the other side as far as their worldview goes you know right like I was thinking the other day I was driving down the street and I was like we live in an age where the same week we could have a news story that says you know Colorado legalizes magic mushrooms for recreational use and Alabama is going to imprison a woman for getting impregnated by a rapist. Like the fact that those stories can come out in the same week shows you the sort of like divergent paths, right? Of the the extremes of of, of, of ideology or whatever, and. Um, I don't not necessarily that, that that's I don't want to conflate. No, I know, I know, but it's like. But, but I hope you'll get what I mean is to say like how drastically different we could, um, you know, we could be going in totally different directions legislatively or whatever, right? Does that does that make sense? Yeah. So so, right, uh, shadow work. Uh, that's right. So when you said first said shadow work, I was like, wow, okay. So yeah, my first thought was accepting the shadow. And I was like, well, do I, I don't think, right, is the lesson here to accept that there, there's something really What about really owning the darkness that. that is? So like that's, right. you know, so we've discussed right. for a long time how, so that was the thing about. Obama that just ruffled your feathers so much. So Andras and I loved uh, how progressive, like what he represented from a social standpoint, but he was still maintained. We, you know, we talk about the Death Star, you know, he's still driving the Death Star and all that that entails. And so well, in that respect, yeah, well, well, to me, Trump is the same thing in the sense of, right, Trump can get up every day and say, we're draining the swamp. And people are like, yeah, to, to, you have to understand, right, to these people who believe that the swamp is being drained, he is just as, quote unquote, progressive as Obama was to, to the left. And in, in the sense of like, wow, we're really making some changes, quote unquote, right? What we haven't defined we're what doing... the swamp is. That's exactly right. It's that we're, right. we're having a conversation with different terms, like, Precisely, yeah. Yeah. How How is handing over the government, you know, and, and again, I, I don't want to blame, to, just to be real, we can't put this all on Trump. This has been for the last fucking 30 years. But how do we, you know, Donald Trump saying, let's hand over the, you know, Environmental Protection Agency to Monsanto is not draining a swamp, Right including more lobbyists and more corporate control of government would seemingly be the thing that would piss off his supporters. But again, I watched for eight years as Obama was a militant corporatist shill and the left never seemed 
particularly bothered by it. So again, I get it. Um, right. The 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 wiring under the, you know it's like we got a paint job on the car, but the 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 frame is still the same. The engine's still sing, humming along the same tune. Um, what's scary to me again? This is the thing that's dangerous. Is like. Uh, well, if one person wants the car painted with swastikas, <laughs> you know, and one person wants the car painted with uh, rainbow flags, and they're going to fight over the fucking paint job, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to, uh, I'm probably going to, you know, be much more comfortable with the rainbow people, <laughs> right? Like, I'll <laughs> hang out with those people. I support, I support at least your intentions there. Um, but I'm still frustrated that we're fighting over a fucking paint job. Cause like, I'm worried that like, Hey, right. We can, we can elect the Obamas and still invade a million fucking countries and still, you know, suspend habeas corpus and all the things that I freaked out about for all the years under Obama that no one seemed to give a shit about. I am... What what's worrisome to me now is not that Donald Trump is so much worse in those practical ways, but that people are now like we're cheering on. They they want the death squads, right? Like we we before it was like close your eyes and pretend like everything's shiny, happy, rainbow, progressive land. Now it's like fuck yeah, kill the. Muslims or something. It's like, whoa, that's the thing that's scared to me is the like cheering of the genocide. Where I was frustrated by the, the, the ignoring the genocide. But again, I'm, I'm in a weird fucked up way. I'm like, I, I will take the, the ignorance over the, the celebration of it. I, I don't know. It's fucked up. Fucked up, man. So not only are Let's you... Let's not end on that note, though. No. <laughs> so not only are we both creatures of habit, that which we discovered, we're both pretty tightly wound. Like, there needs to be an intentionality. Like, we need to decide things. Like, oftentimes, some people are just... They're just pure flow. It's like, I'm doing this, and now I'm doing this. You know, it's like, they're really okay, but so, like, the way your brain works, the way my brain works is... Uh, I'm thinking about ending this so that I can do this. You know, like there has to be this transition. There has to be this this decision that, you know, but 42 minutes is a weekly show. What if I'm not producing podcasts every week? What does that mean? Do I need to make an announcement? Right. You know, what should I be doing? And it, it, like right now, I'm like in a super organic phase of my sync career, I would say. But I'm just curious where where you're at and where do you, you know, hope things will go for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm right there with you. So I, I had this, I was at work last night and I was thinking about this of, um, Dennis cook had emailed me and he was like, Hey man, I really like your, what you're doing with these news sync quick news things. I'm glad you're back. And I responded like, I appreciate that, but I'm probably going to do one more and then end it, you know? And and then I was like, this is, not, not, I wasn't trying to be a dick. I was like, hey, well, that's where my head is at. But then I was like, do I need to make an announcement? Do I need to do whatever? And I was like, 
Well, if I think about it, Sing Quick News in, in particular is something that I've picked up and put down a number of times. So I'm like, no, I don't need to make an announcement because I'm sure I'll fucking do that as again in the future. Um, I have um, I have talked to two gentlemen about them taking over the Always Record sort of name uh, or like uh, doing some content for that. I don't I don't want to make an announcement just because. We had a conversation, they were super excited about doing it, um, and then I just was so caught up in my life that I, I have not followed up with the practical side of that. So um, let's just say that there's uh, two guys out there who had, have started recording stuff very much like Always Record, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Do you guys wanna do this for Sync Book Radio? I was like, either as your own show or as Always Record, and they were like, Oh my God, we'd love to do it as always record. So I was like, cool. Uh, so that might happen again. Like all these things where I'm like, do I make announcements? Do I, whatever, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm just, I think the organic nature of it is maybe this is the beauty of realizing what creatures of habit we are is that like nothing ends every time I'm like, Oh, I'm done with always. Record. I'm done with saying I'm done with this and whatever. I come back to it because this is not just because I'm comfortable here, but because it has a real purpose for me. I, I thought I could, or I thought I could, <laughs> sorry, let me rephrase this sentence. I thought I needed to walk away from sync for my sanity. Also implying I thought that I could walk away from it. Sync like chased me down the alley, beat the shit out of me and was like, hey man, you, you know, like this is part of your life. And then the realization with that was also, this is actually what does keep me sane. Like I have felt just in these last few months of doing Sync Quick News, my personal sanity has felt like a major breakthrough clarity. I'm in such a better place. And it's literally just because I have a way to process it. Right, like so. It's like again, I'm, you're just like everyone else. I'm being inundated with information. I'm being inundated with my my, my brain chatter and like all the things that I, I, my brain is going a million miles a minute every day. And having a way to like a, a practice, as you call it, a sync practice, for me comes down to a way of distilling that and labeling it and spelling it out and again processing this information in a way that like now my brain can handle it now I, and I just feel so much better for doing it so I am definitely know that I am gonna keep working and keep making stuff because it's 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 my practice it's my um it's part of my life it's a very big part of my life I think the question comes down to like what do I call that? And, you know, am I doing this show and all these sorts of weird, like, um, corporate labels that I think end up getting attached to that shit? That's the thing that I can't worry about anymore. It's like, I don't know. If I do a single news, great. If I don't, oh well. If I do this other project I want to do, great. If I don't, I'm going to end up doing something else. So it's, it's, um, it's in that respect, it's all good. Well, that was 42 minutes. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, thank you so very much. And hey, uh, before, I, I would love to just make an announcement. Uh, I feel like I probably made this announcement before. Maybe, maybe I don't even know, need to do this. 
No, it's jinxing it. Never mind. Cut that out. I was, I was like, <laughs> Again, creatures of habit. I'm like, oh, I'm making an announcement that I've made before. And I'm like, no, that's fucking. I just felt like I should for somebody else's sake. Oh my gosh, um, you're just so, so, it's, it's so great. I love it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Again, I'm that asshole, yeah? I just, I just You've been did. listening to That Asshole on 42 Minutes, a production of Sickbook Radio, thesickbook.com. Check out Region of the Voice at For more information about the Sickbook, our guests, check out past shows, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Please be sure and visit our website at thesickbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others currently. All the Sickbook radio archives are free. We also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need. All this and more can be found at thesickbook.com. Thanks so much. And finally, from sleeping so little and reading so much, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Well, that was fun, Alan. Thanks. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. Thank you. <laughs> what, what were you going to announce? Oh, that like we're, we're nearing some completion with Sonora's project. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was just so more like, I was like, oh, shit, if I don't say something about that, then am I an asshole for not saying something about that? But... <laughs> What a what a hypocritical thing to do there. Yeah. Great. But I get it. I don't want to like I'm so so that's how I'm tightly wound. I'm like, if I don't say something, I'm a dick for not saying something about this other guy's project. But if I But then the minute I say it I get caught up in the like Oh now I'm on the hook. Machinery, yeah, the machinery yeah. of the thing. It's such a weird psychological trap. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I get it. It's so funny because I was for probably about a year I was wondering what I should do with forty two minutes as like a a thing because I didn't want it to it has so much inherent value uh, to mm-hmm, me personally. Mm-hmm. And but I also know that it takes so much time. And so and I don't even remember doing this but I changed the intro from uh, like a weekly podcast with the interesting artists and thinkers to a podcast about meaning like I don't even remember consciously making that decision to change it but I, I made that you know I changed the intro a little bit and so now I'm really okay where it feels like I'll record about three shows in a week and then I'll edit those over the course of a month and I'll just kind of feed them out as I can where I don't feel so obligated to have like weekly content like I used to totally yeah and that's just it so like that's where that's the place I'm trying to get where it's like I want to be disciplined enough that I keep creating because I also know that I can end up in that sort of blase and it's not a healthy space for me to just be like indifferent um and lazy and you know uh i need to stay somewhat disciplined and again even for my own sanity um but without the stress or or the feeding into it yeah yeah i know oh um hey so i should hop off here yeah um just just because I like I have to get some shit like some I actual white shit done. Yes. Um, but 
Yeah, exactly. But I would love to, if we have, if there's comes a night that you and I can have a chat about just life stuff, that'd be fucking amazing. Sure. Um, and uh, obviously your show, however you want to do it, but what do you think of just those last few minutes after we just sort of clarified Zenor and your intro and all that sort of stuff, just leaving that in? Sure. Yeah. I feel like that's 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 great little... Uh, yeah. Like, you know, I think for your for your audience and for everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, it's great too. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I love it all. Um, I'm looking. I'm gonna get to talk to Zenora on Friday for the, the Don Quixote, episode. So. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone understands, especially Zenora. So, but yeah, that's a deal, Alan. And then. Uh, yeah, uh, one of these nights we'll have to have like a, a stop and chat on the phone, <laughs> not yeah. on the record. Yeah, and just an off, yeah, exactly off the record, just check in on. Yeah, I probably like, should call yeah. Will too. He's been calling me last week. I was like super busy at work and I couldn't answer, but see where he's yeah, he's at. Yeah, he's he's a good boy. He needs some. <laughs> all right go do work man irl yeah all right bud talk to you soon all right thank you so much
take my hand, we'll claim this land. Take my hand and we'll let the ride roll. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.